1: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Today's topic is a grab bag of news. The arrogance and hypocrisy of today's millennials. The most dangerous person in the world is probably found in your local public schools. Donald Trump's post on Truth Social suggesting that we can terminate the Constitution because of election fraud. And the president of El Salvador is saying that America is in decline because of an enemy. From within, I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is the Rebellion. Good morning, and welcome to the Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Like I said in the introduction, today's topic is multifaceted. I'm basically going to take a grab bag of news over the weekend, or at least the news that I stumbled across in my social media. So I'm basically just going to give an overview of three or four topics, as much as we have time for in this half-hour show. Let me give you my response to some of the headlines. Headlines that I find stunning, Uh, the president of El Salvador suggesting that America is dying in decline. We have a country like El Salvador. And the president down there recognizes what he calls an enemy within and the rapid decline, the death of America. I'm going to tie that into the arrogance, the hypocrisy of millennials who apparently can't recognize what this president from El Salvador recognizes and that is we have this demonic darkness of mind, heart, and soul in the United States of America, primarily within this generation of millennials. These 30-year-olds that can't think their way out of a paper bag, that raise the power fist of the Communist Party as they champion socialism and Marxism as the solution of all that ails us. Feminists who deny the feminine, 30-year-olds giving birth to babies, but yet championing in their politics the right to kill babies seconds before they're born. People that claim to be all for love while they show disdain and hate for those that disagree with them. They just hate those hateful people. They're sure that nothing is sure. They know nothing can be known. They're absolutely confident there are no absolutes. They, they're blind in heart, mind, and soul. It's really quite sad as you watch the millennials that we've raised, denying the truth. That is the only context, the only foundation for their quest for social justice. There is no justice without a judge. There is no truth without the word made flesh and dwelling among us. There is no measuring rod outside of those things being measured, and therefore they can do no measuring. But yet they do. They measure you. They measure me. They measure, you know, the, the boomers. Okay, boomer they say, with disdain, as if those that are five minutes older than them know nothing. And I'm going to talk about the, the source of a lot of this, the carcinogen that we've been consuming that has caused this cancer, this cancer that's killing our culture. It starts in your schools. I'm going to go back to Mike Pompeo's statement that the most dangerous person in the world is probably found in your local schools. So let's take an early break, and when I get back, I'll skip over these headlines very quickly and give you my response to these stories. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes.
0: and lending a hand to our neighbors in need, sold. The Patriot Auto Group, proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve.
1: Welcome back to the Rebellion. So the first thing I want to talk about is I want to go back over the story of Mike Pompeo and his uh, speech that he gave on November 20th, not that long ago, at the Republican Jewish Coalition's Annual Leadership Conference in Las Vegas. He was asked, I believe after he made his presentation, what he viewed as the central issues for the Republican Party for 2024. And as you recall, this former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said this, and I quote, the central ideas of America are timeless, limited government, expanded set of freedoms, protecting the capacity of people to practice their faith. The very things I spoke about tonight, that's what he said, unquote. And then he added this, and I quote, make sure we don't teach our kids... Crap in schools, which we are presently doing. So he said one of the central issues of America is that we make sure we don't teach our kids crap in schools, which we are presently doing, quote unquote. So he went on after that when he commented about the seminal issues, you know, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, limited government, and making sure that we teach decent stuff to our kids in our public schools, private, likewise, I'm sure he would say. He went on and said, I'm often asked, who's the most dangerous person in the world? And then after citing some of the notorious um, despots, North Korea, Red China, etc., those leaders of those countries, he said, no, they aren't the most dangerous people in the world. The most dangerous person in the world is Randy Weingarten, or Weingarten, depending on how you want to pronounce it and he said it's not even a close call. If you ask who's the most likely person to take down the republic, it would be the teachers unions and the filth that they're teaching our children. And then he concluded, if our kids don't grow up understanding America is an exceptional nation, we're done." Close quote. So, he's saying that Randy Weingarten is the most dangerous person in the world. Now, who is she? She's the president of the nat- national, excuse me, the National Teachers Federation. She's the titular head of the American Academy, you know, the educational elite in America. So in her capacity in this position as the president of one of the leading teachers unions, she's a champion of common core, critical theory, intersectionality, LGBTQIA. She's a champion of drag queen story hours. She champions diversity, equity, and inclusion, otherwise known as DEI as well as social-emotional learning, SEL, and everything else that's considered in vogue in, the, in academia. In fact, it would be almost impossible, if not completely impossible, for you to find anything that she's ever said that doesn't fully embrace these educational paradigms that I've just described. All these ideas that have overwhelmed our nation's entire educational system from kindergarten through graduate school. Um, so if this is what she believes, and, is she, and if she's one of the leaders of academic thought of the school systems in the United States, of the teachers' unions, that Mike Pompeo are saying is saying, Mike Pompeo is saying are dangerous, I should say. So what are the results of these ideas? All these things that she promotes, all these ideas, these paradigms that the teachers are teaching to your kids. Shouldn't we ask these questions? Well, if you have a just a cursory overview of the of the educational industry, you see that there is a lot of research out there that says, yeah, these ideas are bearing fruit. The the reports coming out of the ivory tower are voluminous. They paint a picture, and the picture they paint, frankly, I would argue, looks more like Dante's Inferno than the social paradise championed by Randy Weingarten and her elitist ilk. These millennials that I'm going to talk about later included therein. For example, in California... The California Assessment Student Performance Progress test shows that the Golden State Public Schools are, well, how should I say it? They're awful. The latest data indicate that 63% of California 8th graders and 69% of 11th graders are not proficient in math. They can't count. They can't add. They can't subtract. They can't multiply. They can't divide. 63% of 8th graders and 69% of 11th graders Great scores, huh? How about reading? Literacy proficiency. 51% of 8th graders are not proficient in reading, and 44% are not proficient when they become 11th graders. So half of our kids can't read. This is in California. You say, well, that's just the land of fruits and nuts. No, that's not true. The garbage that these kids are being taught is pervasive from coast to coast. It's entrenched in America's heartland, too. Just one example among dozens that I've cited on this show comes from Akron, Ohio, where this past year students were assigned the book, and here's the title, 642 Things to Write About. This is a book and a class on writing. So what do you think the assignment was that came out of this book? For a bunch of 17-year-old minors in high school. The assignment was, quote, and I'm quoting right now, write a sex scene you wouldn't show your mom. I'm serious. That was one of the assignments out of the 642 things to write about in a writing class. Okay, and another one was describe drinking a beer and how it tastes. Now I want to remind you that these are minors and they're being instructed in a class in your school systems in Heartland, America, not California or just California, to write a sex scene that you wouldn't show to your mom, and to describe the taste of alcohol that you're not legally permitted to buy or consume. Now, if this doesn't fall into the definition, or within the definition of grooming students, minors, to participate in illicit behavior, I don't know what does. I, I cited last week the United States Department of Education's National assessment, our own government department of education progress report shows that Chinese students are blowing American students out of the water when it comes to math, science, and reading. China ranks a full 21 spots ahead of the United States on international student assessments course. So here's the point. While Ms. Weingarten and her minions of brainwashed pedagogues double down on teaching America's boys and girls that 2 plus 2 equals 4 as a product of white privilege. China is actually training up its next generation of citizens to be proud of their country and how to do calculus. Last week I cited this quote from Malcolm X, obviously somebody I don't agree with on tons of stuff. I, you know, I, I, I rarely am going to be citing Malcolm X in the positive. But he has a quote out there that says this, only a fool allows his enemy to educate his children. Spot on. And Mike Pompeo, likewise, is right. The most dangerous person in the world right now is probably found in your local schools, your teachers, in your junior highs, your high schools, your local community colleges, in your universities. If we continue to allow These enemies, enemies of the state, enemies of your children's innocence, enemies of what's right, proponents of what's wrong, enemies of truth. We're fools if we allow these enemies to educate our children. And that leads to this other thing that I've cited here. The president of El Salvador comes out and issues a post. He posts this comment. I'm going to read it verbatim to you. And again, I I haven't followed him on the news, so if I'm butchering his name, please forgive me. Nayib Bukele, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. The president of El Salvador. Nayib Bukele. I'll spell it. N-A-Y-I-B. B-U-K-E-L-E. He came out and, I believe this is a tweet... Maybe it's posted some other way. It says this, The most powerful country in the world is falling so fast that it makes you rethink what are the real reasons. Something so big and powerful can't be destroyed so quickly unless the enemy comes from within. This is El Salvador. The president of El Salvador has his head on straight, and he's recognizing that America is killing itself from within. Now, as I read that quote... I, you, you may think of a variety of different ways I could go with this, but as I watch the inexplicable moral train wreck of millennials in America, the 30-year-olds, I've come to the same conclusion as the president of El Salvador. There is no explanation for their arrogance, their hypocrisy, their narcissism, or their cultural suicide but a dark and sinister demon. Now I mean that, a true enemy within. These millennials, their eyes are glassed over. They can't think. Again, as I said in the introductory comments, they claim to be feminists, but they deny the female. They deny the feminine and claim to be feminists. They raise their Marxist fists of justice, not realizing, or at least not willing to admit, that Marxism has killed over 100 million people. And this is just in the last century alone. 100 million plus, some estimates approach 200 million plus, have died at the hands of an ideology that these millennials are now raising a power fist and championing of that particular ideology and worldview. So they're saying they're for justice? By championing a worldview? that has unjustly, to say, that, to say it mildly, killed 100 to 200 million people and left those bodies in its wake. So you're feminists, but you deny the feminine. You march for justice with your clenched fist raised, while you deny that there's any judge that gives justice other than the power of the people. These millennials claim to be against racism but yet they embrace a worldview that is racist by definition, critical theory, which says explicitly, by definition, that some races are inferior to other races and some are superior, and therefore, it's okay to be racist as you work to condemn racism. The self-refuting hypocrisy, the arrogance, the chronological snobbery endemic in the millennial, millennial mind, heart, and soul is quite frankly frightening. And as I said, I don't know what the explanation is other than a giving over of their heart to a lie. Worshiping the God they see in the mirror rather than the one that is revealed to us in the Bible. It's as Dustin Benge, a great theological thinker of our time, recently said, as it relates to truth and scripture and making judgments, accurate judgments in our culture. He posted this, and he put all of these statements in quotation marks for a reason. This is his post. Unhitch the Old Testament. Reject biblical gender roles. Elevate Jesus' words over Paul's. Interpret scripture through a cultural lens. Modernize scripture for the culture. All of these, says Benj, are just new ways of Satan asking the same old question that he did in Genesis. Did God actually say? So what Benge is saying here is millennials are so eager to, quote, unhitch themselves from the Old Testament, to reject those old biblical gender roles, you know, those outdated roles of male and female, and to elevate Jesus' words over Paul's because, you know, you're a red-letter Christian to interpret Scripture through a cultural lens. You know, you've got to sift Scripture through the existing culture, right? And then we've got to modernize Scripture for our cultural times to make it relevant. Does this stuff all sound familiar to you? Well, it should because that's what millennials are preaching right now. If they go to church at all, often this is the type of church they're attracted to. Why? Because it's a church of self rather than a Savior. It's a church of worshiping a god, yeah, with a lowercase g because it's the god you see in the mirror. It's Narcissus gazing into the pool, mesmerized by his own image, his own ideas. He's so smart. He's so beautiful in his thinking that even he is greater than Bacchus or Zeus or Apollo. Millennials and those like them are doing the exact same thing. They're infatuated with their own ideas, their own self Righteousness, their own smugness, their own wokeness, but it's all a lie. It's all self-refuting, because in their smugness, they want to condemn you for being smug, or at least that's what they label you as being. In their righteousness, they condemn everybody else who says they're right. In their quest for justice, they condemn the very source that gives us the uh, gives us a definition of what is just. They're sawn off the branch upon which they sit at every turn. And as I said, as I think about these millennials, my heart is saddened with the darkness, the blank stare in their eyes. They seem to have given themselves over to a God that elevates their own sanctimony rather than a God that calls for their confession, a God that offers them salvation. This is where we are in our culture right now. And there's another story. It's a story that's related in a way, but I can't help but cover it in the last few minutes here. You probably noticed that over the weekend, Donald Trump uh, issued a post on Truth Social that caught a lot of attention. I'm going to read it to you right now, verbatim. This is directly from Donald J. Trump, Truth Social. So, with the revelation of massive... And widespread fraud and deception in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and the Democrat Party. Do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner? Or do you have a new election? Question mark. Next sentence. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. End of post. Did you hear that? I'm reading what he said. Here's the sentence that I'm going to zero in on. His sentence, not mine, not yours, not CNN's. His sentence. This is what he said. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution, period. I'm disturbed by that, and so should you be. Termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution? Uh, I'm sorry, but this is insane. America is the Constitution. The Constitution is America. Without it, we don't exist. We cease to be a nation. America dies without the Constitution. Donald Trump's sentence right here was, is, I'm reading it again for the third time for you to hear, a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Now, I received a number of comments, many people saying, uh, 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 thank you for calling him out on this because we cannot disparage the Constitution, the articles and the rules therein. But here's the thing. I received a couple people post- pushing back saying, well, that's not what he said. Or they said, that's not what he meant. Well, I can't read his mind, so I don't know what he meant. What I can do and should do is read his exact words. And he explicitly said this, A massive fraud of this magnitude allows for termination of the Constitution. And again, that's his sentence. It's not mine. Now, allows for. Go look it up. Just look it up in the dictionary. Allows for is defined as obliged to, or another definition for it would be gives the opportunity for. So when you use the word allows in a sentence, you're saying that it obliges you to or gives the opportunity for something. So he just wrote, Donald Trump just said that because there was fraud, we are now obliged and given the opportunity to terminate the rules and articles of the Constitution. And we can try to spin it any other way we wish, but that's what he said. So here's my conclusion on that. Either he can't communicate clearly, or he meant what he said and what he wrote. You choose. But we can't say that he said something he didn't. Now, I've been accused of drinking the Kool-Aid of CNN because, you know, you like DeSantis better than Trump. No. That's, that has nothing to do with it. And really, it's tied into these other stories. If we haven't been taught to think logically, to, to use our minds in a critical fashion, a legitimately critical fashion where we critique actual sentence structure. When somebody says something or they write something, you, you critique it as it's written. You don't put your own spin on it. I'm not spinning right now. He said what I just read. Uh, So I have to take it at face value. I can't lay over my desires for what I wish he would have said. I'm going to read what he did say. Likewise, when we're reading Scripture, I'm not going to say what I wish it would say. I'm going to read what it actually says. And this all goes back to our schools. Mike Pompeo is absolutely right. The most dangerous person in the world right now is found in your local schools because we're producing people that can't read can't think, can't analyze. They don't have the capacity to be logical and sequential in their digestion of material. Now, if Donald Trump or anybody else wants to come out and say, well, I wrote that poorly. I didn't mean that. Here's what I meant to say. Then fine. But to double down on that sentence as if it says something it doesn't, there's a problem with that. And I think the problem starts with terrible education. education Educating a nation of people that can't read, their literacy is less than that of people in China. The president of El Salvador recognizes that we've got a problem when our own president doesn't. Millennials who think they know everything when they're ignoring the lessons of history and the revelation of God. I mean, when history tells you over and over again that a certain ideology does not work, that Marxism always results in massive death, that despots rise and they kill their opponents, when you see that happening in Cambodia in the Cultural Revolution of Red China, in the Soviet Union, in Cuba, in North Korea. When you see this happening time and time again, and you just double down and say, well, we'll just do it differently this way. They, uh, they, they made mistakes. We won't make the same. But yet you're embracing the same ideals, the same ideology. And you think it's going to end differently? Remember what Einstein said. The best definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Why would we continue to do that? Why do we have a nation of millennials that can't think clearly? Because of our schools. Why do we have people that can't read this statement from Donald Trump and critique it logically, accurately, parsing sentence structure and using the proper definition of words? It starts in your schools. You haven't been taught to do that. And why do we have people that can't read the Bible accurately? They want to twist it, manipulate it. They want to say something that it doesn't say because it's too harsh. You know, you can unhinge yourself from that stuff in the Old Testament, even though Jesus is the second person of the triune God, and therefore he is the inspiration for the Old Testament, just as much as he is for the new. Red-letter Christianity is a ruse because you're throwing out 80% of the Bible or more that Jesus himself inspired, by definition, because he's God. If you can't think through these things logically, consistently, in a, in an in a epistemological and ontological and theological coherent way, then you're going to be caught. You're going to be caught on the horns of your own dilemma. And the horns, unfortunately, are the horns of a of a Baal, a false god that you're worshiping, rather than the one that really gives you the ideals that you claim to hold dear. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.